0: Amen. Good to be here this morning. You can turn over to Exodus chapter 3. That is where we will begin our time today, but I want to make a few announcements before we do that. Uh, But you can be turning there. Uh, So remind us we'll have a men's midweek this Wednesday for all the brothers to come together. We will have a quiz over the discipleship study that we looked over last time. Uh, But afterwards, we're going to have a short leaders meeting uh, for the men leaders uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about is our upcoming outdoor service, uh, the last Sunday of this month. Amen. It's going to be a great time. It's on your calendar. Uh, Palombe Bay Park is where we'll be at, uh, and we will start discussing that and having our plans for that. So I want to remind the men of that leaders' meeting coming up, and also upcoming this Friday is going to be a parent-teen dinner devotional. Uh, if you are a parent of a teenager. Uh, who are, uh, whether they are a part of the church as a disciple or not, doesn't matter. We want to welcome you. We'll provide food and napkins and plates and all that kind of stuff. We just ask for the parents to do two things. One is sign up with James and Nina just so we'll know how many people are coming and we can bring the right amount of food. And, uh, and if you can just bring a, a beverage sold done uh, lemonade, something like that, uh, to the event. Like a two liter lemonade, I like lemonade, that's why I keep saying that. But it could be uh, Pepsi, Coke, whatever it may be. Uh, so, we'll take care of the food, you provide a drink, we'll have a good lesson, it'll be a great time for us all together. So, my husband's wife, whatever, come to that activity. Now if you say, I have a teenager and then I have a little bitty kid, and I can't find sitters for that. Well, all of our campus students are now at ICMC, but to their surprise, they're going to be watching those little kids when they get back. So we'll have that covered for you as well, because we don't want anybody to miss out on what we're going to do. Because we are going to focus on our families here in the Bronx. We're going to make this thing happen. We had a great uh, uh, Solid Rock yesterday. Uh, I was able to teach the lesson for the parents that came to Solid Rock. Y'all remember that? Oh, no. That's right. Many of y'all were not there. (laughs) But we had a great lesson, and we're going to get back focusing and helping each other. You know what it says, it takes a village to raise a child? So true. But it takes a good parenting couple to build that village to start raising that child. And we need to help each other get back to it. So... In addition to that, there's a couple of new things we're going to do starting in the month of September. Number one, we are going to discontinue the basketball that we have in the gym. Starting in September, no more basketball on Wednesdays, Fridays, Sundays. It's all done away with. I announced that to the brothers as we were playing. Some of them had a hard time with it. Why are you coming in messing things up? I'm coming in and straighten it out. We're not messing things up. We're straightening out some things. Will we ever play again? More than likely we will, but you know what? We will when we get things on right. That's what we'll continue doing that. So that's just step one. Step two for next month is that we're no longer going to have a teen and young teen section over here. All the teens and young teens are going to sit with their families on Sunday worship. You say, now, wait a minute, Pastor Mo. I, I, I don't know if I like that, well, growing up, we didn't have kids kingdom in my church when I grew up, you sat next to your mama and daddy, and then when you start acting the fool, they look at you like that, and you straighten right up, but I believe our kids need to see you, the parents, worship. To learn how to worship, to stand by you when you're fellowshipping with people, to learn how to fellowship. So, for this month, it'll, everything stays the same, but in September, we're not going to have the teens and young teens. There'll still be a pre-teen class, but not teens and young teens. They will be with the parents and the families together. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer as we start. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. First and foremost, thank you for waking us up to another day. God, there are some people that are not going to wake up today. And we thank you for this privilege we have. And we pray that we will make the most of this opportunity as we come together. Father, we love you. Please be with our hearts and minds. Let us not be distracted by things of the world or things we have to do later on. But help us to focus on what is important. And that is learning and getting closer to you. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one man told of a story uh, that at his company's factory, there was an anonymous package that showed up. It arrived and on, printed on it and said, do not touch. So management was called. All the employees were told to stay away. Get away from the package. Don't come around it. So they left the package sitting right there in the front. The manager came. He put on his gloves, put on his goggles, took out his knife. He cut the plastic wrap off of it. He slowly opened the box, and inside the box was 25 signs that said, do not touch, stay away. And you look at that, and when we see something or hear something that says, don't touch, danger, stay away. We want to get away from whatever that is. In Exodus chapter 3, about a year before the incident we're going to read about, Moses was a shepherd for his father-in-law. And as he was out there, uh, apparently one of the best places to be a shepherd was kind of in the shadow of the the mountain of Horeb, the mountain of God. And it was there that Moses saw a strange sign. At that point, he saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And so it kind of perked his interest. And then God called to him, Moses, Moses. So he started going towards the bush. But then the first words that God said to Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. In other words, God said to him the very same thing. Danger, don't touch. Don't come any closer. This is holy ground. Now nearly a year later, God brings Moses and the people of Israel back to that same mountain. And when they arrive, God challenges them to make a lifetime commitment to him. Look in Exodus 19, verse 7. So here they are, it's coming right back full circle. And all the people are there. And in verse 7, God is talking to Moses and he tells him, this is what I want you to tell the people. So Moses tells the people, verse 7, So Moses went back and some of the elders of the people and sent before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So God said, This is what you need to tell them, Moses. Moses went down and he told them. All the people heard it. They said, Yes, you are right. We are all in. We're going to do it. So then look at what God said. If you're going to do it, then this is what I'm expecting. Verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day. Because on the third day, on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horns sound a long blast may they go up to the mountain. After Moses had gone down to the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, There was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. He said, I need you to go and consecrate the people. Tell them if they really want to follow me like they say, then tell them to prepare themselves, consecrate themselves, get ready. And to drive the point home of the importance, God put limits around the mountains. He says, you have to finish this off. Anyone that crosses it, anyone that touches it, is going to die. I don't want you to lay a hand on them. You pick up stones and you stone them. Or you line them up and you shoot them, the archers, with arrows. And when they stone people, they did it a couple of ways. One, they would set you at the bottom of a cliff and throw stones down on you so there's more force to it. Or they would have you in one area and everybody would just throw stones until you're unconscious and they just keep piling them up on you, keep piling them up on you. Or they just set you out in front of someone, and all the archers would line up, and they'd say "release," and they just shoot you with arrows. And they would do this in front of people because it stood as a warning to everybody else in the camp. He says, "So if anybody even touches the mountain with their little finger, with their big toe, no matter what it is, you kill them." And you know how when you see a sign that says "wet paint," and you just want to touch it to see how wet it is. He said, don't touch this mountain. If you just want to see how it is, you die. He said, well, that's a little extreme." strange. No, it's not. That's called God. God essentially tells them, danger, do not touch. And there's a few things I want to talk about in this story today. The first thing is this. First point is this, God has boundaries. We've got to understand this, because what I'm about to say is going to change your perception in a lot of ways. God has boundaries. See, if you want to follow God, be a true disciple of Jesus, there are things you don't do, places you don't go, things you don't say, because God has boundaries. Many times people say, oh, that's the church's rules. The church doesn't have rules. God has boundaries. It's easier to blame church than to say, God doesn't want me to do it. So it's easy. oh, church doesn't want me to do this. No, 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 it's not the church. God doesn't want you to do it. And when you say God doesn't want me to do it, it has a whole different meaning. So it's a lot easier to say, well, the church says this. The church didn't God said it. And that's why we're going to do it. God has boundaries. Sometimes we don't understand that, or we don't want to understand that. We want to blame something or somebody else or justify ourselves. You can't can't do that. God has boundaries for each of us. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll come back to Exodus in a minute, but Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul writes to the Ephesians, and he makes it very clear. Chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him, and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been silly must still no longer, but must work. Do something useful with his own hands Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. What is Paul telling the Ephesians? Don't touch these things. Don't do these things. Don't say these things. He makes it clear. You are now holy people of God. There's a whole other standard for you. You have a whole new set of boundaries that you don't cross now. You don't talk about it. You don't say it. You don't go there. You don't do it. If you are really God's son or daughter, you now have a whole new set of boundaries in your life. Go back a couple of pages to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians tells us there are two ways of living. And you got to hear this because it's God's way and then it's the, the human nature way. And what he says in Galatians 5 verse 16, so I say it. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. He says, "Listen, every single person in the world, everyone here in this term today, you have a sinful nature." Now, God's Spirit wants to lead you and guide you a certain direction. But your sinful nature wants to take you somewhere else. You ever see those cartoons where you have the devil and the angel on the shoulder? And one's trying to get you to do the right thing, and the other one's just pulling on the ear. No, no, don't listen. That's what it's like. Your sinful nature is trying to get you to do the opposite. It's in conflict with each other. Every morning you wake up, you choose to follow God or Satan. Every day at work, you choose to follow God or Satan. At school, at home, you're going to follow one or the other. The Holy Spirit or the sinful nature. So then he goes on and breaks it down a little bit more. If you're confused, what is my sinful nature? Well, it's obvious.
1: Verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious.
0: Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, of rage, selfish ambition dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, origins, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, self, what is my sinful nature? Your self said, it's obvious, who are you fooling? <laughs> oh, I fell into sin. How do you fall into being drunk? You fell into a bottle of bourbon, seriously? You don't fall into sin. You choose to sin. Oh, but I just, yesterday I felt, you didn't fall. Did you hurt your knee? That's when you fall. You chose to sin. See, this is what is clear. Back in Moses' day, when you sin, you die. Right. Now something even worse happens. It says because if you continue to live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't just die, but you're going to hell. You got to understand, this is worse than just being stoned or shot with arrows. You will not inherit. You have no relationship with God for eternity. That's if we live by that sinful nature. But God said, look at what my spirit wants to do for you, though. Verse, 20, verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no love. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Don't get it twisted. Many times you say, I repented when I became a Christian. I don't understand what's going on. It's not just stopping some actions. you got to crucify those passions and desires that lead to the actions. See, you got to understand, it's more than just A checklist of, did I do this, 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 and that? No, did you deal with the heart of it? Well, I'm no longer mad at my mom for the way she treated me when I was growing up. I wasn't a favorite child. Okay, you're no longer mad, but did you deal with that heart of bitterness? Did you deal with that frustration? Did you deal with the fact that you aren't loving towards her? See, we get caught up on those things again. There's no church rules. These are God's boundaries for his righteous people. God says, don't go there. Don't cross that line. We serve a holy God, and he has prepared boundaries for us. You know, a few years ago, I read about a a military base in Okinawa. At the end of the 4th of July celebration, there was a spectacular fireworks display. And apparently around that time, three airmen who were a little tipsy walked up to the commanding officer. And one of them actually stumbled up on him And didn't even salute, but just pat him on the side of the arm and says, When are the fireworks about to start? And he just looked at him, Any minute now. (laughs) Any minute now. There are boundaries in life you don't cross. There are boundaries you don't cross with God. We serve a holy God. You need to think about your boundaries. If you're married... Talking about divorce is not somewhere you go. You don't even go in that area. you telling God he made a mistake giving you the spouse he gave you? Or you're saying, I really don't want to repent, so my way out is divorce. See, it doesn't matter what your spouse does, for you to be involved in an extra relationship outside of marriage, you don't even go there. It doesn't matter how nice he is and how sweet he is. You don't even go there. If you're single and they're flirting with you, you don't get up and involved in immorality. As a child of God, you cannot cross that boundary line and go there. As a teen, the disrespect of parents, of people in authority, you can't go there if you're a teen disciple. All my friends are doing it. If they jumped off the bridge, you're going to do it too. Maybe, depends on how high the bridge is. What God says, here's my boundary line, and it doesn't matter how high it is. If you commit yourself to me, you stay within the boundary line. We have boundaries. Before we became disciples, we were running buck wild. No boundaries, did all kind of stuff. And I just, where did that get us? Discouraged, miserable, sad, depressed, frustrated, and the like. God says, I am now giving you boundaries. You stay within my boundaries, you will live long and prosper. Not like Dr. Spock, but I'm talking about God saying, you have many years, you will live long and prosper. Now, the second point I want to talk about here. I learned this from a different preacher, a preacher that wasn't even in our fellowship of church. But he was a good friend of mine. Look back at Exodus 19. Let's go back there again. You hear me talking to you today? Yeah. Now I know the campus is gone, but that doesn't mean we don't have youth and life in our congregation. The team's still trying to figure out how they're gonna sit by mom and daddy. Yeah. <laughs> You'll figure it out. You got three weeks. Exodus nineteen, verse ten. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready on the third day. Because on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. We shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. You know, the thing I looked at and I realized, here's a question for you. If a person or an animal touched the mountain, what was supposed to happen? They died. Stoned or shot with arrows. So I, I, I got to thinking, we started talking about this and it said, you know, this is God's mountain. And it's interesting that God is not the one that's going to punish anybody if they touch the mountain. God himself isn't going to do. it. So why did God put the responsibility back on the people instead of he himself doing it? This is his house. But he said, I'm not going to do it. You need to stone them. You need to shoot them with arrows. And I'm thinking, well, why would he do that? Because he expected his people to enforce his boundaries. He expected anybody who says, I am a child of God, to now enforce God's boundaries. You know, when people come over to my house, whether they're campers or teens, even if I'm not in the room, I expect my kids to make sure they know the rules of our house. That they ain't going to put their shoes off and kick their feet up on my coffee table. You ain't walking up in my refrigerator getting whatever you want out. No, 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 my dad said you can't do that. That's what happens in our house you got to understand, God is saying, this is my house. So I expect my people to hold up my rules. What he pointed out to me was that Israel came to this mountain. They had come to the glorious, holy presence of God. And God was telling his people there, it is now your job, your responsibility, to protect my glory and holiness. Have you ever realized that? It is your Not the evangelists, not the elders, not everybody on staff, every person that's a disciple of Jesus. It is your responsibility to protect the holiness of God in his house. That's our responsibility. You know, one of the the teams asked me uh, after I said we're not going to be playing basketball in September, why are you messing everything up? I'm not messing everything up. What I'm doing is protecting God's holiness. Because what's going on right now is not bringing glory to God. Will we ever play again? I'm sure we will. Once we get our attitudes on straight and our hearts on straight, yes, we will. But until then, we are not because this is not glorifying God. You know, there's a vast number of churches that do not have the glory of God in them. They may have a lot of people, but you know what? God has said, if you're not going to protect my glory, then I will remove it from you. Isn't this what he told him? Look over in Revelation chapter two, last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter two, verse four. He makes it clear to him. In verse four, he says, "Yet I hold this against you: you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent," I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You know why? Because God expects us to enforce His boundaries. So then it got me thinking here's another thought. In Exodus 19, He says, If anybody touches this mountain, this is what you need to do. You need to kill them. You need to stone them. You need to shoot them with arrows. And it doesn't record that ever happening. Now, he records all the other, you know, kill, angels kill and kill 100,000 people and all this, you know. But nobody died here when God said, if you touch this, you die. And I'm thinking, well, why? Well, if I knew that now if my wife crossed the boundary line, it's my responsibility to kill her. You know what? I would not let her get anywhere near that boundary line. As soon as she started walking, out, said, Snack, you better get on back over here. <laughs> we'll talk about my insensitivity later, but right now, you need to get back over here. And my kids start running in, and my house oh, give me this, come back over here.
1: You better get
0: on. Why? Because I love them so much, I am not gonna let them go near that. You gotta ask yourself. Is this my attitude toward my brothers and sisters? I see them getting too close to the boundaries that God has set up. Do I go stop them or do I have to wait and tell somebody Sunday morning? Can you talk to so-and-so for me? Can I talk? What about you protecting God's glory? Don't let people get so close. Why? Why are you letting your husband get too close to those boundary lines? Well, I'm afraid to say something to him. You don't realize where he's about to go if you don't stop him. That's why it's called help mates. You need to help your mates. Be right there. See, God didn't create Eve off of the man's bone in the head. Because he didn't want the woman ruling over He didn't create Eve off the bone in his foot. Because he didn't want man walking all over the woman. He created her from the rib. So it could be right next to him by his side. And his journey. You gotta understand. If your kids are too close to that boundary line, oh Jamal, come back over here. I don't want you to do that. I'm not gonna yell at you because you may call social services on me. So please come back. Oh, I'll I'll time out. I'm going to count to ten, Jamal. One. Please. You counting to ten, that gives them nine seconds of rebellion. Because they ain't moving until you get down to one. You need to stop being scared of what little Jamal is going to say. Snatch his butt away from that boundary line and get him in shape. We're not playing ball because I'm snatching it away until we get it in shape. Guys, it is our responsibility to protect the glory of God and his righteousness. You've got to ask yourself, is that my mold? Is that what I'm even thinking? There's no church rule. It's God's boundaries. You've got to make a decision. Am I going to protect God's boundaries or not? Now, sometimes we, we don't do that because we have a hard time with our own boundaries. Hey, can you help me do this? Yeah, sure. Can you help me do this? Yeah, sure. We volunteer for everything. And then we don't do nothing. Because we're so spread out and nothing happens. Do you even have boundaries in your own life? See, it's important for us to realize that God is calling us to do this very thing. If you're married, your boundary you need to make sure your spouse isn't crossing those boundary lines. What you doing tonight? What are you looking at on the computer? My wife got every password, every everything I got. That is so important, guys. On your phone, you gotta make sure your spouse has your passwords to get on your phone. You say, wait a minute, I gotta have some privacy. Let me tell you, we had a brother in the church I was in before who did great things in the church. He was over our whole internet stuff, all kind of technology. He passed away. Unexpected, heart attack. Died. His wife could not get on the phone, couldn't get on the computer, so she couldn't get to his insurance policies, couldn't get to anything. Because he had closed stuff off for privacy, not not in a mean way, but he was just in charge of so much stuff that he didn't think, you know what, I gotta make sure my wife has access to everything. What if something happened? Does your wife have access to everything in your life? Does your husband have access? What what do you have to hide? <laughs> my kids log in on my computer. I look at man, and all of a sudden they popping up how to put on makeup. I don't need to know how to put on makeup. I know they were on my computer, but I'm not afraid that they're going to find something.
1: Feel free, go get and look at it.
0: Now, i got to get to my third point. I have some more to say. i got to get to my third point here. I don't want to run out too much time. Look back at Exodus 19. Here's the third and final thing here Exodus 19, verse 8. Moses had talked to the people and told them what God did. And the people all responded, we will do everything the Lord said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. You know, God had brought the Israelites to this mountain. He had challenged them to a life-changing commitment. They had all verbally said, yes, we will follow you, Lord. But you know, God didn't just let it end with that. Because God knows talk is cheap. Everybody gonna say yes, Jesus Lord, yes, praise the Lord, yes, help me, Jesus. Every time we're in trouble, help me, Jesus Lord, help me, help me, Jesus Lord. help, me, Jesus, Lord. help,
1: help, help,
0: help, help. <laughs> So God says, you know what? This one needs to happen. Moses, look at verse 10 again. And the Lord said to them, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because in the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. He said, you know what? They say they're with me, then they need to show it that they're with me. Yeah. They need to go consecrate themselves. They need to get ready. Be prepared. Do something. Don't just say, I'm following you. Show me that you're following me. And this is how I see how this applies to us. You know, we have our, our mission teams, our Bible discussion groups, all over the city. And we want to help save the city. This is a good plan. But you know what? The plan's not going to work unless God is involved in each of those mission teams. And God won't be involved in those mission teams until we cleanse ourselves, consecrate ourselves, prepare ourselves. You think about it, when you go to adopt a child, they don't just say, oh, you got a house, you can have a kid, go ahead. No, they take you through the ringer. Make sure your finances are together, make sure you're mentally stable, make sure your marriage is, Because you have to be prepared to receive more children. God is not going to bless us with more people in our congregation if our congregation isn't at a place that's ready to take it. If we're not consecrated and cleansed and ready to be righteous for God. When we get to that point, God's going to say, now I'm opening the floodgates. So the only thing holding us back from getting the floodgates open is us. Because God is ready. So the question is, what do you need to concentrate yourself on? What do you need to cleanse yourself of? What do you need to get rid of? Well, here, let me help you out. We need to prepare ourselves. How are we going to do that? Well, God gave them three days, but I'm giving you three weeks. Because in three weeks, we have an outdoor service. So we have between now and then to make sure we are right and ready for our outdoor service. What do you need to do? I'm going to ask you to abstain from something, fast from something. You can fast some music in your car. You can fast some television. You pick. I, I'm not going to watch you. I don't know what you're going to do. But you choose something. Maybe coffee. You need to fast some something. And every time you have an urge to do that or to get that, you need to pray to God for your own heart. Pray to God that you meet somebody to bring to this outdoor service. Pray that God will bless you to help somebody become a Christian. Every time you get that urge, you need to take it to God. Because that's going to be a reminder for you. Now we're going to see, everybody here is like, oh yes, we're going to do this, we're with you. Okay, talk is cheap. I'm asking you to consecrate yourself. To get prepared, to fast from something. Maybe you miss a meal every Monday. Maybe you skip up every dinner for the next three weeks. I don't know. But you find something that don't just say, you know what, I'm going to fast from wearing these shoes because they hurt my heels. <laughs> you can't fast from something that's really irrelevant. That doesn't work. It needs to be something that you really desire, that you need to fast from. And then you know what? We need to have your whoever's your partner in the gospel holding you accountable to your fast. Because now again, we're protecting God's glory, God's righteousness. We need to have the best outdoor service the Bronx has ever had on the 27th. This needs to be the time for us to kick it in here. We're going to invite people out. We're going to have Bible studies out in the park. We're going to have food. We're going to have fun. It's not McDonald's. Food, folks, and fun. But it's still going to be food, folks, and fun going on in the Lord's church. Just because we're not inside of a school doesn't mean God's church is not going to be out there in the park. We are going to make this thing happen in a great way. Now, as we close out, I'm leaving you with this thought. What boundary lines do you need to draw up for your righteousness in Christ? Some of us need to make some clear boundary decisions. I'm staring off the computer past 10 o'clock. I'm not going, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to flirt like I do. I'm making a decision. My boundary lines, I'm going to have my quiet time in this period of time every day. I don't know, but you need to make sure your boundary lines are clear. Godly boundary lines. And that they are protecting God's glory. Because if you call yourself a disciple, but yet you have no boundary lines, now you are impacting everybody that sees you. Because now their standard has now less. If you have boundary lines and your kids are watching you cross those boundary lines, you're at home listening to NWA or something like that, and they're like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't understand this. We gotta make sure that we have boundary lines that are God's boundary lines. It's a very simple thing. But I want to walk away with the principle. No longer are we need to focus on church rules or the church says this. No, God says this. This is God's boundary lines. And we will not cross God's boundary lines. to God be the glory, amen.